0: Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of uh, the Practico series of podcasts that we amusingly call Podcasts because we know lawyers love wordplay so much. Uh, I'm Andy Ellis, I'm the Managing Director of Practico and I'm delighted to say that we had two very special guests uh, today and uh, on my right is Andrew Gordon-Saker who is the Senior Cost Judge as you all know and on my left is um, Alexander Husson QC. Um, and the particular reason that we have come together today is to mark the first month's anniversary <laughs> of the launch of the, uh, the white paper. And anybody who's seen it in the flesh will realise it's also a yellow white paper called Beyond the Electronic Bill. Um, and uh, perhaps if I can uh, kick off with you, Alex, because you had um, quite a bit to do with um, the formation of the electronic bill. Um, so, tell us what you what you think about uh, how things have been going uh, on the uh, uh, on detailed assessment now that we're all in this brave new world.
1: Well, I have to confess that I have not actually done a detailed assessment of a new electronic bill. I know Master Gordon Saker has done quite a few, but uh, my impression is that before it became mandatory, I used to get lots of. Emails and complaints and difficulties um, raised about the electronic bill, but since it's been mandatory in relation to all work done after April 2018, I'm not getting those complaints and people are coming up to me and going, "Actually, you know that electronic bill? It's not that bad. Actually, uh, I can see it has some advantages. So I'm I'm encouraged." Generally,
0: so, so are you now prepared to take the credit
1: instead of the blame then for the? Uh... <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm not taking any any credit or blame. I'm putting it all on you, Andy, because you've been involved in this electronic bill um, project for much longer than I have. For
0: far too long. This is yes. absolutely right. Absolutely right. So, uh, so somebody who has had direct experience of it, uh, uh, obviously, Master Gordon Saker. Um, uh, as every week goes past, no doubt you must be seeing more of these. Uh, things crossing your screens we
2: see more and more and i have to say before we started to receive them uh, i had a degree of trepidation uh, insofar as this was all unknown and while we thought it should work we didn't actually know it would work until we did it Um, and i'm i have to say i'm i'm very pleased Uh, i think it works i think it works um, very well virtually every bill that i've assessed Um, in the last six months or so uh, has been either an electronic bill or has had an electronic bill tagged on in respect of work done um, after April and I'm going to forget the year when it came in 2018, 2018, thank you very much Um, so um, yeah no, it it seems to work, I I think um, it it works better when you have uh, advocates who are familiar with it uh, with the process uh, and are able to um, manipulate the uh, data in the the spreadsheet um sensibly um, I mean, to a great extent we 're all this is all new for everybody so we 're dependent on each other in a hearing and and um, the cost judge is going to be dependent on the ability of the advocates appearing in front of him or her to to um, to to get them through it if you've got advocates who really don 't know what they 're doing i 'm not saying i 've had that, but i 'm anticipating that. Um, then it, it is going to be difficult because the judge will have to be doing taking the lead and, and steering everybody, shepherding everybody through the process, which um, won't be quite so good. So, yes, no, overall, I think it is, it is very positive. Um, and um, w- while it certainly wasn't popular uh, in some quarters, and we did see a, a slight drop-off in between the parties' detailed assessments last year, um, that sort of picked up again because everybody realises they've got to use it Mm, exactly um so
0: while you haven't had any assessments yet alex in, in terms of using it nevertheless have have you had electronic bills come across your desk from the purposes of things that you're
1: advising on or i've had a couple that have come in and usually they're they're like like Andrew says they're tag-ons at the end um, because the sort of things that come across my desk tend to be kind of large and long-running. So I wouldn't have seen a kind of case that started under the electronic bill and finished under the electronic bill yet. Yes,
0: yeah. And that's why I think, you know, I I mean, I think cost practitioners realise this because they they realise the natural lag. But um, really, 18 months is no time at all because, you know, you're only talking about work that has been done. So even if... Six months work, even if a year's work had been done, you know, by the time you've, but uh, uh, by the time you've got the final cost order, you've got a year's worth of work. That goes through points of dispute, some negotiations. It's just about a year's worth of electronic work, if you like, or electronically recorded work. Is probably really only hitting the SCCO now, and there could still be quite a big front end to that that, that 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 may not be recorded or or set out in the same way
1: yeah I mean I'm I'm still arguing about um pre lasbo costs in other words yeah. c- cases which started before April 2013 so that th- there is a huge lag on it absolutely yeah exactly
0: yeah yeah no it, us the same we're still having arguments about success fees to that, that you know were still were recoverable at the time the CFA is rented into and so on and so forth yeah. and if you recall there's a there's there's a huge amount of um, uh, you know, sort of technical stuff hidden un- in in the bill to allow you to deal with things like success fees um, that may be different for different periods and different for different firms and different rates for different. People like counsel and solicitors, um, all of which gradually is going to work its way out of the system. But we had to cope for it in the in, in the uh, in the model. In any event,
1: yeah. And there's, I mean, there was a decision, wasn't there, where, where the judge said actually you don't need to to, to you, you can you can be excused from serving an electronic bill at the end, where the vast majority of it was a paper bill. And uh, no doubt there will be some judges who kind of are slightly reluctant to engage in it. But I think we'll fast be. Pass that process, and everyone would just have to engage exactly
0: exactly so the the, the the reason that we the reason that we thought it would be good to have a, a discussion with um, with people in the judiciary with um, uh, with specialist counsel and, and other cost people about where do we go now is that we need to be getting on with it. It seems to me to sort of like complete the jigsaw of the detailed assessment process and where we go from here. We've got time to do it, but we've got to start. You know, um, and um, the uh, the sort of soundbite from the report that I keep coming back to is Derek Boyd, who's the senior cost lawyer at Inns, who who says that at the moment the, the the electronic bill in relation to the full procedure for detailed assessment is like putting a Rolls Royce engine in a mini. You're not actually, we're not actually necessarily taking advantage of the, of the benefits that electronic working can bring through the rest of the uh, uh, assessment process. So um, we thought we would want to prompt a discussion about what points of dispute and replies might look like going forward in a more sort of helpful way that sort of harnesses some of the advantages in, um, the, the, that we have in electronic working now. Uh, ultimately, to save time on detailed assessment. Um, so, um, you know, was there anything that came out of the report that um, and this is a quite open question to either of you that that you thought was something that there appears to be an early consensus on in terms of how we might move forward with um, presentation of prior of dispute? And
1: I know this. I know there's some. Disagreements about that. Uh, and I would obviously be interested in Andrew's experience of this. Obviously, the ACL version of the new electronic bill incorporates points of dispute and replies in it. And I know some people like that and some people don't. I mean, in principle, one would hope, as you say, Andy, to to move the whole process electronically. So not just the bill, but the the points of dispute and the replies. Um, So if if there's a way that that can work well, then that's a good thing, I would have thought. Uh, And you can manipulate the data in your points of dispute or whatever by taking the data that you've got in the bill and changing it around and moving it in ways that demonstrates why you say the costs are too high um, and things like that. So I think that's a good idea. It's just a, practically whether it's working at the moment.
2: Uh, the only bill I've seen which incorporated the points of dispute um, was, well, it was just one bill, and, and it was actually during the pilot scheme. Yeah. For the, so it was a, the first electronic bill I saw, which would have been um, uh, probably 2017. Um and I haven't actually seen the ACL bill used. Uh, I don't know if it is being used, but I haven't seen it. Every bill I've seen has been pretty much um, precedent S or a small variation on precedent S, but hasn't had the points of dispute and replies. So, say we're working from two things. You're working from a scr- the bill on the screen, yeah. and you're working from the uh, precedent-G points of dispute and, and, and replies. Um, And it it generally works. Um, Points of dispute and replies became difficult once we started having phased bills because people would be making the same point in relation to uh, an item or a group of items which recurred in each phase in the the bill. Uh, So it wasn't just an objection to item 6, it was an objection to item 6, item 66, item 166 and item 666. Yes. Um, and that has involved a lot of leaping about in um, detailed assessment. But we were sort of getting used to it. And that that um, has continued with the electronic bill because the bill is um, generally chronological that then if you're objecting to, for example, double attendance at conferences with council you're going to be challenging a number of items um, with the same um, objection Um, and and that has proved as possible as it was for for paper phase bills it does involve a degree of, um, of leaping about um, but as I've suggested before what I've found helpful is when there is a column in the electronic bill which identifies the objection number which relates to it yes. say when you've got a challenge to item 6, 66, 166 and 666 you just filter out the by, by reference to that column to the objection to, number, to right? the objection yeah. number. Yeah. say you get up on your screen the six items which may be on very different pages in, in, in terms of a paper bill uh, you get them up together on the on the screen and you deal with them uh, together. Uh, and also where you wish to make a sort of global reduction to a number of items, if you, you can just identify those items which are the subject of a particular challenge on the screen and you just um, uh, adjust the, 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 the
1: subtotal. So you could have uh, a, a, a new practice direction or an additional elements of the practice direction which deals with points of dispute, which requires you to do them electronically and requires them to, however you'd phrase it, but group together particular um, uh, disputes that relate to a number of different items, so that you, you that would become standard. Um, yes,
2: but I, I'm reluctant to suggest any particular formulation until we really know, you know, what what the best option is going to be, uh, and we know that it it works. I think people are being sensible. My experience is that people are being sensible about points of dispute um, and replies. Um, I mean, there is obviously a practical disadvantage um, caused by the technology in having too many things up on screen. At, once um, and, uh, most courts now have big screens which is great for the judge yes. um, but most practitioners turn up with relatively small laptops yes, uh, yes. and you can see to some extent they're struggling yes. with a big spreadsheet um, and the more columns you add uh, the, the greater the difficulty for them. And obviously, I- if you have two um, electronic documents to look at, the bill and the points of dispute, then they're flicking between um, two screens.
0: Yes, yes. I mean, I, I think that I, I completely identify with that sort of problem because, you know, we have it even in our general working life, let alone having to replicate that in a courtroom because so that, you know, otherwise you can... I think we've even had a situation where we've walked into court with a spare screen and hooked that up to a laptop so that we've got effectively two screens that we can work with at the same time. But, I I mean, I would hope that just through experience, um, you know, the more you do of these, you know, then I think people will find their their best way through it. And um, I I certainly agree with you that whereas I thought that the precedent G um, concept or idea of... um, grouping together um, you know, if you like common complaints about a series of items, uh, is is a good idea, but it's really quite cumbersome then to just list a load of um, of item numbers that you then have to find yeah. manually. You know, and what do you do? You know, sticky tabs in them, and so on and so forth. So really, the, the 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 spreadsheet way of working is is absolutely made for that. So I mean, I can't remember whether it was yourself or maybe Jason Rowley that I was speaking to that, that said it was. A, it's quite a you, you can imagine a, a, a different type of precedent. G that instead of identifying the uh, the the bill item numbers it, it refers to gives an instruction to go to you know which column and filter on which criteria and to yeah. throw up the yeah. um, you know to, to, to throw up the group of items that you're uh, 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 that, that you're then looking at and that you may reach a reasonably broad brush decision about. Yeah. Um, so just pausing there for a second. If you do that. Um, do you find it easier to just relate that decision back to the advocates in the room so that they can, uh, you know, so they can agree what the arithmetical effect of that is?
2: I like to do it myself. Okay. I mean, partly because that's um, educating me. So if I make a mistake, then people will say, no, you don't do it that way, you do it another way. Because we are dependent on helping each other through yes. the process. And
1: everyone can area. see what you're doing everybody on the screen. Everybody can see yeah. what
2: you're doing. And and it would be tragic if you spent five days doing a detailed assessment, got to the end, hit the save button, and, and everybody ended up with a different... Exactly. A what different have you topic. got? That's really so I think, <laughs> I, I think it's important to, to go through the, the, the process, um, decision by decision, checking the, 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 the total is being recalculated um in the same way amongst everybody who is is present. So I think it is important for the for the um the, the, the judge to do it himself on the on the spreadsheet.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but you know some some people are perhaps more comfortable with that than others and as so, so you know there's still a way of bouncing back the um yes. the, the, the calculation I mean, well, well
2: absolutely I mean as long as the parties are agreed um what the figure is then then it may not be necessary for a judge who's less Comfortable with spreadsheets to to do that, um, but um, uh, certainly in the costs office we we are encouraged uh, to do it ourselves as well, uh, and also you know we're doing provisional assessments now on screen, and uh, we need to know how to do it. Yes, exactly.
0: Um, I mean certainly one of the, um, the, the the section in the in the report or white paper that deals with the point of dispute. Probably suggests that the idea of one combined document is reasonably popular, and people see that that has been as a as potentially a good idea. So since 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 that since I've reread that and been thinking about it and grappled with it internally, um, I, I'm I'm beginning to have some doubts about that, um, and and perhaps if I just explain briefly what they are. I think part of the trouble with some aspects of detailed assessment and um, cost practice direction is that it's almost predicated on the theory that you will have an individual uh, decision on every item in the bill, whereas we all know that's actually not how it works, or that's not how you'd never get to the end on a large bill if you if you if you if you actually took that approach. So the idea that you that you move from a you know. What is ultimately you know what, what is ultimately a very granular bill through to point of dispute in relation to all of that onto replies to all of that onto decisions on all of that I mean there's some logic to it but it seems to lack practicality it seems to me that what we need to do is to do something that reflects what happens when let's say we're preparing a bill normally the client would want some form of advice on what the vulnerability of that uh, is you know so that to give them some parameters for settlement before you go down the line. Likewise, if we're receiving a bill to advise a client on to object to, um, we've 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 got to we've got to look through and summarise it and analyse the and there's a step which is analysing that bill to pull out the themes that you want to to, to decide on the um, work streams or topics or so on and so forth and then talk about those. Which is so it, 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 it's something that filters down to a shorter summary report mm. and then fans out again to to something else. And it seems to me, although I haven't got the answer to this by the way yet, but um, that that we want to stay at um, we want to stay in a world once you've done your points of dispute, where you can see the wood for the trees and you you're inviting decisions you know there might be a, there might be 3000 items in the bill but, but perhaps you're inviting decisions about i'm making this up but you know 25 clusters of costs and the, that would be the most proportionate way through the process and the presentation should reflect that so in other words so that you don't get you know the the a, a continuation of the process sometimes where very large bill of costs one lever arch file you know, points of dispute: two leave for files, Replies: three. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's, it's everybody's in favour of a broad brush approach. I mean, nobody, yeah. I think, objects to taking a broad brush because the alternative just isn't proportionate. Um, but the broad brush has to be based on something. You can't just say if you've got a claim for a thousand hours in a document schedule, you can't just say, "Well, this is too much." The paying party offers you know, two hundred hours uh, without setting out why, Um, and while the decision-making won't descend to that degree of detail, when you're preparing for a detailed assessment from the decision-maker's point of view, you'll want to see broadly whether the challenges being made are sensible and and realistic, Um, and you form a view without possibly reading everything or looking at every item that's challenged you form a a view as to whether the objections are uh, are sensible and and reasonable and realistic and then that may guide you towards the the eventual decision of course having heard oral
1: submissions. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of Ties in with, in a way, the Court of Appeal's recent decision in the Western Demi case uh, as to how you're supposed to apply proportionality. We all thought that you were supposed to simply stand back as the judge and take a view and say, "Well, this is too high. I'm going to cut it by a third or whatever." The Court of Appeals seems to be suggesting that it should be a slightly more granular approach than that, and, <clears throat> and that you can't, you can't, uh, uh, it's not right to approach it like that. You've got to look at specific items or specific periods or whatever and come up with a figure. And so, you know, you've got to be prepared to do it in a slightly more granular way. I'm not suggesting you have to do it item by item than in the way that many of us thought was, well, I wouldn't allow more than 80000 for this case so that's what you're going to get. I don't think the Court of Appeal is encouraging that kind of approach from the cost judges.
2: No. I think that's right. That um, They're after a sort of reason based decision rather than something which appears to be Arbitrary. So I think what they're encouraging is is cost judges and district judges to, to look at phases or particular phases to see where the, the disproportionality lies rather than just knocking something off the total down to the figure that um, that one thinks looks more proportionate than, than what is is claimed or what's allowed on the, the, the reasonableness basis. Um, and you can see that I mean there will be in some cases there will be obvious areas. Where where the receiving party has gone over the top um, in other cases it may be that it's all over the top and you just have to go through each phase taking something off to end up with the figure you first thought of um, but yeah i I can see that to some extent proportionality of course is going to appear to be arbitrary um, but it's it's based on experience and and, and it, it, I don't think the new test of proportionality is any more arbitrary than the old test, the Lowndes test, which required you to look at the bill at the outset and decide whether it appeared to be disproportionate. Um, We're just doing the same thing, um, but at a different stage in the process. Um, So trying to make it appear less arbitrary does involve, I think, a degree of... uh, identifying the areas where where, where there appears yes. to be a, a
0: bigger problem. Yeah, I mean, and there has to be, you know. Uh, uh, I mean, we we talk about it a little bit in the report, but you know, sampling and extrapolation is something that you know that actually happens. What we haven't done as a profession is 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 to provide some sort of guidance or tips of ways you might go around that, you might approach that as best practice. Um, I think perhaps we feel that we do that. Somehow, sort of, you know, intuitively, because it's uh, you know, it's not it's not rocket science to suggest that it might be handy to look at documents that both sides have in common because they've been served in the uh, in in the proceedings as your reference points. To if you are going to say that ninety nine hours is too much, you know, it's quite it's quite helpful to be able to sort of pull out. Well, look, we know you. It does appear that there has been you know twenty five hours on this witness statement, and look here it is. And um, I'm sure it was very tricky, but it is only five pages. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and those sorts of, you know, a series of different litmus tests of, of, of the way things are, you know, size of team and, you know, block recording and, you know, whether there's any sort of fat in there that should be trimmed out. It's not, it's not, it's never one test. It seems to me that it's, it's layers of little tests that that you look at before you arrive at, um, a, 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 as a global decision, Um is informed. It's not arbitrary. It is a.
1: It, it, and you can't. I don't think you can be over over prescriptive as to how you manage that process, I think to be honest, particularly in front of the cost judges, who that's what they do as, a, as opposed to district judges around the country who will do many other things, um, is that you can't say, well you have to do sampling in this case and it has to be done by X, Y and Z the cost judges know what they're doing they know they're not going to sit there for three months going through this £5 million bill or £20 million bill or whatever it is uh, I, I think you, you, you've got to leave it up to their good sense to some extent as to how they're going to get there in a proportionate and sensible fashion?
2: Yes, I, I can't recall an occasion when in however many years I've been doing this that, that anybody has taken objection to, to the, the process. And you might get the odd person who thinks they're going to get an item-by-item item okay. assessment, but um, I, I don't think there's a case in which um, anybody is either persuaded the cost judge or persuaded another judge on appeal that, that a broad brush is, is inappropriate. Um, and that has to be, yeah, the the best way, I think, is a, is a process of sampling with the paying party, uh, pointing to particular items or groups of items or headings where they say that too much time was spent and everybody gets an impression. I mean, detailed assessment, it's called detailed assessment, but inevitably it's going to be impressionistic. Um, and it's going
1: to be based on one's experience Um, and And, and i think the i think the electronic bill helps hugely in that because you can group items together very easily we think you've spent too long on this witness statement you can identify that much more easily i mean in the old days we had to go through the documents item and and then there might be bits and pieces in the main bit of the bill etc it was a very difficult process but these days it's much easier to do that
0: yes i think I'd, I'd, i'd agree with that what perhaps isn't easier and i know it's something that we've touched on before andrew is the is um, finding the best way to um, access and refer to the documents that you will be looking at um, in the electronic world. I mean, I've always thought in you know, a sort of, you know, the nirvana would be that you would click on an item, you'd have an opportunity to click on an item in a bill and it would immediately bring up the document that you're trying to refer to. Um, I mean, has anybody has anybody... Uh, uh, Produced that. something that
2: not not what I've seen. I mean, we we get um, many requests now for solicitors to lodge their papers electronically, which yeah. we're we're happy to have. I mean, it's absurd that people have to where they've um, run a case paperlessly. It's absurd that they have to print thousands of or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of pages, just for a detailed assessment. Um, but I don't think I've had a well, I haven't had a case yet when the bill has been linked to the documents. And that, that would be wonderful. I mean, it would yes. save so much time looking for things if you just clicked on um, an item in the electronic bill and it brought up every document which related to that item. Um, I mean, we get that to some extent in a paper version, so um, many uh, receiving parties will produce bundles for detailed assessment which identify with um, sticky notes um, the documents which relate to each objection. Um, in the points of dispute. And that that's very useful. If we could have the electronic equivalent of that, then then that would be brilliant. Um, uh, sorry, sorry. The, so, so, to, to some extent, when people lodge papers <coughs> electronically, it can be a bit clunky. Yes. Um, because you're, even, you're looking for a particular email can actually be almost as difficult, um, depending on the system they use, um, if they've lodged it electronically as if you're
1: looking for a particular email in a lever arch. Not and do you find that manageable doing it effectively paperless? Because some people say, actually, I need paper in order to look at various different things, and there's only two screens. Um, so, I mean, but, but do you, how do you find that?
2: Um, my, my personal preference, but this is probably an age thing, is paper. Yeah. Um, so, I'm not of a generation which doesn't use paper, uh, I'm used to paper. And flicking, and I emphasise the word flicking through a file, can give you a really good impression. Flicking through a series of emails generally isn't possible because you've got to click on each email in turn, depending on how the the files are arranged. And that that does take longer. It does take longer to get an impression from an an electronic file than from a a paper file.
0: Yes. Uh, I I can certainly... um attest to the problems, because they're the same as yours, we just get them earlier, with attempting to receive solicitor's files or access solicitor's files electronically in order to prepare the bill. Um, because they're... Um, I, I mean, I think over the over the last 10 or 15 years, as storage of electronic documents has got progressively cheaper, there's less imperative to throw things away there's sometimes not a great amount of discipline in terms of uh, how many times do we see the same email effectively on a check. You've got to check everything, you know, to make sure that you're seeing something that's hopefully is you know unique sort of stuff. And it's been like hey, how many times am I going to be reading the same thing as you're going through these? Uh, uh, so although it looks great on the surface, and when I say in the old days, like maybe five years ago, people would suddenly start to, "Terrah, here's our here is our files," and they'd come around with a with a CD or something and give it. To you and you'd put it in and there'd be some OST file like an Excel, like a, a, an outlook file in it and you say well this looks good and then you start looking at it and it's my word <clears throat> and I think we're probably for that reason I think that's probably the single reason why there is so much concentration now when you're preparing bills of really just using the narrative field in the that's in the time recording as the record as opposed to you know in the very very old days um, you know sort of that that being some sort of cross check at the end, but actually building the building the bill from the file you are now definitely and have been doing for some years and you know working back from uh, for, from the uh, from the time records, which is why we always bang on about um, the more assiduous our clients are about um, about what bucket they put those in um the cheaper we're going to be because the quicker we're going to be able to, uh, uh, to, to, to map it out. But I do hear that, you know, the, 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 the technology that I referred to of, you know, hyperlinking in some way yeah. a document to uh, an right. item is, 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 it's all there. Yeah. Um, it, it's not difficult. A lot of law firms actually use it in their own practice. Um, quite expensive to put it together. I uh, I as as one can imagine time consuming yeah. but is it
2: more time consuming than putting together lever arch files with sticky tabs pointing to the particular points of dispute uh
0: potentially i mean it, it, the 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 you know, ultimately the 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 decision making really when anybody goes through any documents i think for preparing anything is is this relevant or not this is there's two buckets to begin with is this relevant or not if it is how many things is it going to refer to, and how many ways should I tag it in order that I can retrieve it when I need to? Um, and uh, on occasions, of course, particularly with a bill, um, you're actually you just actually have a long series of items that the support one document, the same document. So you know, it's it's, it's a question of the mindset of uh, that that link all the time is going back to that that one document taking up whatever space it does, um, and you're not actually just producing multiple copies of the same document, (laughs) if you like, um, just so that it's there when you're looking at that objection number.
2: Hmm. I mean, a a problem we often get on detailed assessment when looking at the detail is um, draft witness statements. So you'll see a lot of time spent drafting a witness statement on a particular day and then a couple of weeks later a lot of time spent um, doing a second draft. And, And nobody's or rarely is anybody able to produce the draft that was actually being worked on in relation to the particular item. It's always you get the final version or you get a draft um, which was some part of the process but nobody really knows which draft it's being referred to. So if, for example, you could have in the bill five hours spent working on a draft witness statement and that pointed to the particular draft of the particular witness statement that was being worked on in that five hours, that would actually be
1: quite quite helpful yes. you get it in pleadings as well don't you, if, you if, if pleadings go through various drafts and then they're sent out to various people yeah. to check and then change or whatever it's very difficult to work out what the original draft yes. w- l- looked like and, and why it's taken eight hours more work after that's been done uh, to work it out. So that would be useful if you, could, if you could do that. But that would that would require the fee earners to kind of make sure that every step they've done is is kind of saved on the system. Um, and, um, you know, obviously it's a challenge to get the fee earners to record the time, uh, let alone do that.
0: So before we finish this uh, discussion, um, I thought I'd like to move the discussion to uh, one aspect of the um, white paper, which... Um, I think you were particularly interested in, Alex, and that's an idea about forming a um, a, a pre-action protocol for detailed assessment or a pre-assessment protocol. It might be a good way to uh, be a shorthand for that. Um, What sort of things attract you to that
1: idea? Well, we've never had such a process. The only process that's allowed under the rules and provided for under the rules in the practice direction is for you to serve a bill after three months of the, of the order um and it seems to me a pity because i know this causes a lot of problems as to how to go about trying to settle the costs after the final order without preparing a full bill and um i One of the things I liked about the the white paper, amongst many things, was the idea that there would be some kind of pre-assessment protocol where there would be an obligation to serve some kind of summary form of the bill, so not the full form, which should be relatively easy to produce electronically under uh, under the bill system, um, and perhaps a period for response from the other side and a period for negotiation. Um, You know, it's been done in relation to budgeting in in budget decisions discussion reports, things of that sort. Uh, Some kind of summary process, which... Enables the parties to know what they're supposed to be doing because I think many people, you know, have the problem that they say, "Okay, what are your costs?" and and they get kind of four lines of profit, cost, disbursements, VAT, and whatever total, Um, and that's not very useful. And then some uh, go to the process of of producing a full bill, which the other side then objects to and says, "We didn't need a full bill; we were just trying to settle it." Um, So I like the idea, and I think that it. Ties in quite well with the electronic nature to keep to keep it as a kind of relatively summary process um, to avoid the need to, 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 to issue a notice of commencement and, and do a full bill.
0: Yes, um, exactly. I mean, I think it would help us. But um, one of the things that, uh, about it that um, is linked to it that may affect Andrew more is, is 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 I think in the larger bills sometimes and even earlier. Intervention um, and discussion with the court and directions even before a bill is served is helpful. Um, I mean, I know some people just, just try and do that anyway in the largest bills, but um, I think that could be... Uh, if, if, if it could be more widely known that that were available, not looking to clog up the cost courts, but certainly in those rare cases where you're looking at, you know, many millions of pounds... Um, it does seem to be potentially quite a waste of both sides resources to plow on and you know go down a black hole for many months or even longer um when um, the scope of the of the bill itself could be um, it could be discussed and agreed um with
1: some assistance from the call and that's I think particularly useful I think or one of the examples where it would be useful is in a group action where you can have endless complications to how to draw the bill in the first place uh, and how you're going to attribute certain costs to common costs and individual costs and issue costs etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, so I agree that that would be helpful and the, the other aspect that you've you've thrown up is which, um, could there be a, a process of early neutral evaluation which I think is becoming increasingly popular and I noticed was was it was a, a big feature of the suggestion for clinical negligence cases for fixed costs under twenty five thousand pounds is there going to be encouraged there are problems with that particular system which I'm well aware of but early neutral evaluation is is quite kind of buzz phrase at the moment the,
2: the problem with any set of rules is it's one size fits all um, and The breadth of cases that go to detailed assessment is as wide as it can be. Um, I mean, certainly my experience of the biggest cases, uh, particularly group actions, but also just big bills, uh, is that parties are generally quite good uh, at applying fairly early on for directions, even before they've drafted the bill. So uh, I've certainly had cases, I mean, MMR, which must be um, 15 years ago. Uh, the first thing that the receiving parties did um, was to ask for directions hearing because they wanted directions as to how they draw the bill. And they wanted direct... There were also, I think, 1,200 individual bills, whether they needed to draw 1,200 individual bills or whether we could have a process of sampling and so on. So that, I I think, is... It's useful if in that sort of case, rather than the parties just... Receiving parties just going off and doing it how they think it ought to be done, if they engage... The other parties and engage the court in a process which enables us to to um, one set a timetable uh, and two to set the way that we're going to do it in a sensible and hopefully proportionate way. So the the option of applying for um, uh, directions at the outset is is there, uh, but it's only going to be there in practical terms for where it's needed. Um, So we don't want directions, hearings in every every case where somebody gets a cost order. Um, as far as a pre-action protocol is concerned, yes, again, I, I can see in some cases it's going to be useful for the parties to serve a schedule of costs, a statement of costs. My involvement for the last 16 years has only been at the end of the process. So I don't know what goes on between the parties. Um, obviously in the cases I never see anyway, but also in the cases I see I don't know what's been going on um, before it gets to court, um, my guess is that the um, the parties will serve a statement of costs anyway, um, where they think that's going to be useful. Um, so again, I, I question whether it's appropriate in every case to require parties to serve a um, a schedule because it, it would add to the add to the expense. Um, possibly, if we we picked cases a, a, a above a certain figure. Our bills above a certain figure, that that may be be more appropriate. I mean, it may be if we get fixed costs up to £100,000, then that becomes a self-selecting group. Um, As far as early neutral evaluation is concerned, um, the the rules are already there, um, generally, for the court to be asked to to express a view. Um, the, The difficulties, I think, on... I'm not against it, but the difficulties, I think, on detailed assessment... Uh, are going to be um, uh, the identity of the the judge. So you might get, uh, and I'm not saying this in relation to any of my colleagues, Master Stingy and Master Generous. You might end up with your early neutral evaluation before Master Stingy, and everybody goes, "Oh, but we might end up with a hearing before Master Generous." In which case, you know, what what was the point of the early neutral evaluation? So I think I think it's used. I know in in family cases for financial dispute resolution and, and you have a, a hearing, often half a day or a day in front of a, a district judge who tells you what the result is likely to be. Um, I mean, we can do that in theory in um, costs, but people like you who have huge experience are going to say, well, that ended up in front of Gordon Saker on the other, he's as mean as anything. Uh, we might end up with somebody else who's, who's, who's you know, much more generous. Um, so let's just ignore what Gordon Saker said you're going to get at the end. At the end of Could
1: the could you have an, uh, have an assigned cost judge that stays with the case throughout if it doesn't sir?
2: Well, you can't, I think, have a case where you have an early neutral evaluation by the same judge who does the hearing, because, of course, he's already given an indication, well, I think you're going to get this. Yes. And then at the final hearing, the, the party who likes the indication will say, oh, yes, but at the early neutral evaluation, uh, you said this is going to be the result?
1: I think it would be difficult to bring in any process which was mandatory. I mean, obviously, you've got Article 6 issues, et cetera, et cetera. So I I don't necessarily think that early neutral evaluation is ever going to make its way into the rules or into a practice direction. I think people perhaps should be more aware of it. My impression is that we are not using a lot of ADR in cost proceedings apart from just traditional solicitors trading figures. With each other, I don't go to. I mean, I have a clinical negligence practice, and I go to roundtable settlement meeti- meetings and occasionally mediations. In those, regularly, but I don't go to that many roundtable settlement meetings and mediations in cost proceedings, except maybe the very biggest and the biggest group actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's 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 underused, personally.
0: Yes, I, I mean, I think that the part of the devil, uh, <coughs> excuse me, part of the devil in the detail. Um, in relation to schedules are that they, and I think we find this quite a lot, Alex, in the stages before it reaches the cost court, um, is that, yes, you know, initially a, a, a paying party might say, look, you know, we want to avoid the cost of detailed assessment, just send me outline details of your costs or send me a schedule and we'll see if we can talk about it. To which either go, oh, because schedule is not a term of art, you know, you you have a you, you have a whole range of, of uh, you know, uh, top-line figures. Well, that's not enough. You know, we need more than that. Well, what else do you need? You know, well, well, how about that, that and that? And then it doesn't take too many exchanges before, um, uh, before the receiving party says, well, look, this has all been a waste of time. We might just as well go and draw a bill. Now... Now, that doesn't always, you know, that's when it goes wrong. And, of course, in those stages when it does go wrong, the cost of the whole process and the cost of detailed assessment are immediately inflated beyond that. But, of course, you don't know that something isn't going to settle when you start and you've got to make the effort. No,
1: no and, and and the fact that it's easier to produce a summary and whether it, yes. there could be a kind of definition which would be the summary which would not give you the, yes. you know, reams of paper on, uh, beneath it. Um, but the fact that that's easier to produce, yes. it's also easier to produce a bill as well these days. And so the disincentive of sending, I've got to send it off to my cost draftsman, that's going to take three months, and he's going to charge, and you know, £100,000 for drawing the bill. Um, that shouldn't be so anymore.
0: And certainly, I mean, I'll use the example, which is probably running out of, of life, its natural lifespan now. But um, if we were uh, opposing a bill in which a recoverable success fee was going to apply, um, and we know they're in runoff deep in runoff now um, as a paying party would we'll say well at least could you give us the detail you know that 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 bit of the practice direction that we need in order to make an informed decision about the amount of the success fee and the scope of this and definition of win and so on and so forth and of course and sometimes people say well we don't have to give you that yet yeah yeah and we say well yeah hang on a minute you know yeah. this isn't gonna we're not asking for something that's actually going to entail you doing a huge amount of work you're just going to you're just going to find a document like the risk assessment or the redacted version of the CFA or whatever you're going to send us and just let us have it.
1: And I think one of the difficulties... Because it doesn't appear to me to be
0: particularly unreasonable. One but, of the you difficulties... Know, when somebody, that, yeah. you know, when you're, you know, this is... You know, this is this is an adversarial system, and uh, well, absolutely. But when, when
1: you don't have a pre-action protocol of any kind, you then don't have the ability to say, actually, the other side were being unreasonable by not providing this, so they shouldn't get all of their costs. Yeah. Which is in ordinary litigation, you can point to, but in yeah. cost litigation, I doubt you often get those sort of arguments in front of you. Well, they shouldn't have their costs of the assessment; they shouldn't have all of them because they didn't provide us with X, Y, and Z when we asked them before they drew the bill.
2: No, not often. I mean, obviously, it's it's part of the overriding objective the parties cooperate with each other but that that's obviously a little bit too vague for the purposes that you're suggesting. Yes. So really all that's left is, is making offers. Yes. Um, yes and that that's what we look at. But how do you make offers if you don't
1: really know what... I, I do think that the, 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 of the system of, of making open offers hasn't worked. I, it, I no. just don't see the point of that at all. Because they're normally tuppence ha'penny and no one pays any attention to them. Yeah.
2: No, I, I think that's right. Um, I mean, I've seen them where they just say, we offer nothing and that's the open offer. Yes. Um, and you just think, well, how is that? A, a realistic attempt to, to settle things. Yeah. So, yes, I agree with you. I don't think it's worked.
0: I mean, we always used to tod, them, tod it up anyway, even before that regime came in, if we were preparing a bill, um, or, 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 sorry, preparing points of dispute, on the basis that if the other side was clever and did our work for us, um, they could say, well, look, you know, to support... a an application for a further payment on account. They like I say, well, look, you're your openly accepting it's going to be X. So at least pay us that, you know. Yes. And uh, and and if we hadn't sort of tipped our client off that this is the effect of the <laughs> of yes. the point of dispute, we're recommending they they uh, they put forward, then it would be egg on face. So, um, but yes, I think that part of the process hasn't worked particularly well. It's been it's a bit of a waste of time. Yes, but likewise, so is um, the other bugbear would be. Um, there's a tiny thing, but has a, sometimes quite a big effect. Is when people put forward something less than a bill, they sometimes sometimes like to have complete privilege protection for it, put it just put it as without prejudice. Yes. And if the bill comes in at you know 50% higher than the you know, and you can't refer to it, you know, absent some you know hard evidence of you know uh, uh, of bad behaviour, um, yeah, that really you know that that does tend to uh, exacerbate moods. Quite a lot. it does and I 've got exactly
1: that point where, where um, you know that i going on at the moment where a without prejudice statement of costs had one figure for the hourly rate and then had a figure in the bill which was significantly less and the other side is trying to point this out on points of dispute and we're saying oh you can't do that it said without prejudice statement yeah. of course yeah. and if you had a more formalized process then you would be hopefully be able to get round those problems
0: yeah my preference would be open and by all means caveated, yeah. you know, on the basis that the, these, these are the overall costs. We haven't gone through the forensic exercise of stripping out the costs of that issue that the cost order doesn't enti- entitle us to, you know, so approximately it's this, but, you know...
1: And you could have that entire process as being without prejudice, save as to cost, so you can't yeah. refer to it at any time yes. until yes. the um, end. until the end. And then yeah, you can. Exactly. That would, that would seem sensible. Well, I'm glad we've solved the problems of
0: the of the cost world, and, um, and <laughs> in a remarkably short space of time—only you know, only 45, 50 minutes—which is which is fantastic because we've been trying to do this for years. Um, so, th- thank you both very much. Um, just before we go, any snippets of news on the horizon? Um, I noticed a, a news item the other day. We're speaking on the uh, 11th of December today um, that the ACL were pressing for. Um, uh, a uh, revised guideline hourly rates. Uh, so, is there anything you can tell us, Father Christmas? Well, it, it's it's <laughs> oh, it's, oh, oh, oh.
2: It's, uh, it's on the radar. Um, obviously, the, the the point was picked up from uh, a judgment of Mrs Justice A Farrell in the Technology and Construction Court, um, and the hourly rates were um, last um, uh, re- reviewed in 2010, and then the Master of the role said in 2000. And, uh, Fifteen that the 2010 rates would consider f- continue for the foreseeable future. So the question is, well, has the foreseeable future now ended, and are we now in the the next phase where we should be looking at them uh, again? Um, oh, to some extent, um, the master of the rolls comments were, were um, prefaced by his observations that fixed costs would become much more of a thing, and that hourly rates would become much less of a thing. Uh, And I leave it up to you uh, and your listeners to decide uh, whether that has plural, plural (laughs) (laughs) listeners, very, very (laughs) encouraging (laughs) (laughs) Uh, to to, uh, decide whether that has or or hasn't uh, hasn't happened. Exactly. Well, I'll I'll certainly be listening
0: to this avidly again over Christmas, probably before the Queen's speech on Christmas Day. Um, And um, uh, once again, um, Andrew, Alex, uh, it's very good of you to spare the time to, uh, um, to chat about these issues. Uh, we hope it's of interest to people at the, at the sharp and the blunt end of costs. And um, I just uh, wish all our listeners um, uh, a very happy Christmas and uh, prosperous new year. here. hear. Yeah. Thank you.